Well, Stanford has spent the past week plus going back to the lab and working on itself. Have the suddenly high-flying Washington Huskies spent this week believing the hype and smelling itself? We'll find out on Saturday, and we'll preview it now on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Great to have you with us. Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. Stanford back in action this Saturday night facing the 18th ranked Washington Huskies, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff from Husky Stadium. That will be the big topic on this episode of the TreeCast. Hello, I'm in Detroit, Clarity, the host of the show, and I will have help breaking it down. Later on in the show, we'll be joined by two very special guests. Stanford running back Casey Filkins, who is in the news this week because we're certainly going to be seeing a bit more of him this week than we would have normally. More on that in a moment. And always looking forward to catching up with my man Max Brown, Pac-12 Network football analyst. Max has seen the Washington Huskies with his own eyes. He called their game against Portland State a couple weeks ago. I want to get his thoughts and his eyewitness account of what perhaps to expect from the Huskies. I'm Troy Clarity. Thanks for being with us here on the show. Ninth year of Pac-12 Network play-by-play was on the call for women's volleyball last night up in Berkeley between Stanford and Cal. The big spike. That's always fun to be a part of. Also, my 30th year of following Stanford football in various facets and forms and mediums. And also looking forward to uh, kicking off my uh, first year of college football play-by-play on the national radio side for Compass Media Networks. That'll fire up later on this season. I certainly cannot wait for that. So all sorts of things happening. Best time of year, man. Best best time of year. And part of the reason why it's the best time of the year is because we get to bring these tree casts to you normally twice a week during the football season. And of course, don't forget, subscribe to the show via your favorite listening app, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, iHeart, TuneIn, no matter which way you want to go, uh, you can find the TreeCast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts from, and hopefully this is one of your favorite podcasts. Subscribe to the show, but also rate and review it, and tell people about it as well. We hope you enjoy, and uh, we're hopefully, hopefully we're talking about great things, uh, Stanford football-wise, in the weeks to come. Well, the big news for the Cardinal this week when it comes to Stanford at Washington this Saturday night is that the Card will not have all hands on deck against the Huskies. E.J. Smith will be down this week. Uh, Casey Filkins will start. Um, we'll play multiple backs as we have in the past. Um, but excited about what Casey put on film last week. Um, I think there's some plays he'd also love to have back and looking forward to him. Um Having a, having a heck of a game. That's David Shaw making it official during his Tuesday weekly press conference. E.J. Smith out with an injury. He did get banged up at some point against USC. Shaw also excited to see what Casey Filkins can do. We're excited to talk to Casey later in the show. First, though, this reminder, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use the promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Casey Filkins and Max Brown coming up later in the show, but first three things you need to know about Stanford versus Washington. Let's begin with number one. And as you heard earlier, Stanford starting running back E.J. Smith out for this Saturday's game at Washington with an undisclosed injury. The hope is that he's back for next week at Oregon. So Casey Filkins starts with Caleb Robinson and Brendan Barrow in reserve. How much of each of those guys might we see on Saturday night? Shaw on how he's approaching the load management for his backs. We're going to play multiple backs. Um, you know, last week we had over 80 plays. Um, and if that's going to be the norm for us, we're going to have to rotate a lot of guys. We're going to have to rotate our running backs, our receivers, our, our, our tight ends. 
and make sure everybody can stay fresh. Um, so yeah, um, he'll start. I have no issues with him holding up. He feels great. Um, but we will play multiple backs just because that's what we're going to what we're gonna need to do. Yeah, Robinson and Barrow each saw playing time and carries in the win over Colgate. And I thought they, for the most part, looked pretty good. I saw some encouraging things uh, from each of those guys against uh, the Raiders back in week one. A couple weeks ago, David Shaw told us that Stanford's running back room was special and it was deep. You heard that soundbite here on the show. We'll find uh, out a bit more about that position group this Saturday. More on that when Casey Philkins joins us later in the show, by the way. Let's move on to number two. And a mixed bag for Stanford defensively so far this season. They bent at times but didn't break and never allowed a touchdown against Colgate. Against USC, no resistance at all in the first half. Better in the second half, but still overall plenty of things to clean up defensively for Stanford over the bye week. Linebacker Lavani Damuni took us through that checklist. Tackling in space. We had that bye week to kind of, uh, you know, just regroup and heal up a little bit. And we we worked on, went back to some of those fundamentals, wrapping up, drive your feet, um, breaking down, having good leverage, you know where your help is, if your help is a sideline or if you got, you know, someone else like a flat corner or uh, someone there to help you. So making sure you're, if you miss a tackle, miss a tackle with good leverage on the right side. And so, um, yeah, that's definitely one of the biggest uh, uh, emphasis is, uh, this week as we as we go into a new game. Slavani Damuni, and yeah, there's no doubt about it. Stanford must pack its defense for Seattle. Tackling will be at a premium once again this week, especially against a Husky offense that lit up Michigan State last week. Will that improve for Stanford? And hey, how about forcing a turnover or two? That would be cool. Let's wrap up three things with number three. And I try not to place too much into momentum and the impact that it has on football games individually and on football teams. To me, momentum in football is only about as good as your next play and as your next game. Things can change quickly. Ask your friendly neighborhood Raiders fan about this. Uh, Boy, what a game that was. But momentum could be a part of the dynamic this week in Seattle with one team coming off its biggest win in years, it seems, and the other team coming off a bye week and a frustrating loss. David Shaw seems aware of this, too. I hate the early bye week, right? Hate the early bye week. Whatever rhythm you have, you kind of have to restart because you're not too far into the season. So uh, that's that's one thing. We have no momentum. And you and uh, Washington's coming off a great win. They've got a lot of momentum playing at home again. Uh, we're going on the road for the first time during the season. Um, so that's the hard part for me is, is breaking up the rhythm of, of practicing and playing, especially this early in the season. Um, but uh, that's been our focus now is to make sure that we are creating that, that in-season momentum that we need to do in practice and that we're prepared to go up there uh, and play in a difficult environment against a really good football team. Um, and our guys are excited to go do that. Hey, Coach, how do you feel about early bye weeks again? <laughs> If you're a firm believer in momentum and its forces, then the Huskies probably have most of it heading into this Saturday. Heck, if you if you made the case that UW has all the momentum right now, I, I wouldn't argue. But momentum can be a very fickle thing in football sometimes. And if Stanford's heading back to the Bay with a win, who'll have the momentum then? Those are three things. Well, here we go. Stanford on the road for the first time this season. They will head up to Seattle for a Saturday night tilt with the suddenly hot Washington Huskies. This should be intriguing on a lot of different levels, especially to see how Stanford handles things in the backfield with EJ Smith out for this one. That places a lot of focus, a lot more focus on one of our very special guests for this week's show. Looking forward to catching up with him, a junior from Lake Oswego, Oregon. Casey Philkins joining us on the TreeCast. Casey, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, Troy. I appreciate you having me on. No, you bet. You bet. Thanks a bunch. I appreciate you. And uh, let's, 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 let's start here. Uh, coming off the bye week, look, the bye week comes when it comes. It is what it is. Maybe not exactly advantageous in some ways from a scheduling standpoint coming in week three, but maybe in some other ways, perhaps a great time for it to come for Stanford. What did you guys work on and focus on during the bye week? And what are some things that you think came out of the bye week for this team? 
You know, for us, a lot of our focus in the bye week was on our ourselves. And, you know, we, we weren't really tending to look forward to any sort of game or, or to UW, anything like that. It was, you know, we analyzed the film from USC. Um, there was a lot to learn from, but there was also a lot of things that we can be encouraged by. Um, so we got together as a group, especially offensively, and we kind of just locked in and we said, you know, hey, this game against USC came down to some critical mistakes that we made. Um, we know we're a great offense and we know we're a great team. Um, and so we really just wanted to hone in on, on things like ball security and, you know, uh, fighting through tackles, um, you know, really kind of just stuff that is quote unquote mundane, but stuff that we really need to buy into if we're going to be, you know, if we want to get to the point that we want to get to later in the season. So um, it was a good week. Um, it was good for guys to get, get healthy, rest up a little bit. Um, and, you know, we're, we're ready to go on this on this next 10 to 11 game streak here. Yeah. Mundane, but at the same time, correctable as well. And it doesn't seem like it's anything, you know, foundationally that that can't that, that that's without solution, you know, at any point this season, I, I, I wouldn't think. So I'd imagine that that's a bit encouraging as well. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like everybody, you know, watching the game, too, I, I totally get it. It's like, oh, it was that play that lost the game or it was that play. And, and you know, it's 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 easy to kind of pick and choose things like that. And it's important as a group to really understand that, you know, while the while the game can come down to a player two here or there, like you said, it's a lot of those mundane things that are often correctable that, you know, we really started to hone in on and um, are, are feeling better about, you know, even going into this week. And it's something we'll continue to work on the rest of the season. What, what's your overall assessment of how the offense has fared so far this season? Um, I think that uh, against Colgate, you know, obviously we didn't um, kind of roll out our, our whole arsenal of offense. Um, and so, you know, kind of that game was good to get our feet wet a little bit. We made too many mistakes and we, we knew that coming out of that game, um, turn the ball over. And so that was obviously something going into USC. And then we, we tended to do the same thing, which was, was disappointing. Um, but in, in terms of how the offense has fared overall, I mean, you can look at our numbers and whatever it is. We've been putting up a, a really good amount of yards every uh, in the past two games. Um, we're, we're throwing and catching the ball well. I think that our offensive line has played great. Um, you know, I'm super confident in those guys. I have a lot of trust in them, and that's been really encouraging. And then when you look outside on the edge, I mean, we have who I think is is the best receiving core in, in the Pac-12 and possibly up there in the country, you know, and we, we got dogs out there. And um, I think we have, you know, a top QB in the country leading our offense. So, um, you know, I think the first two weeks, you know, with the turnovers, it, it, it was a little rough and it's, it's, it's definitely something that we need to correct. I mean, that's, that's non-negotiable. Um, but when you look past that, I, I think that we, uh, I think we're trending in the right direction and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see how it plays out the next few weeks. Of course, one of the big things to come out of that USC result from an offensive standpoint, schematically anyway, was the unveiling of that slow mesh where Tanner takes the snap, turns the running back, and he kind of holds it, holds it, holds it, waits and waits and waits as long as he possibly can, depending upon what the defense does and how it reacts, and either hands it off to the running back or pulls yeah. it back and fires an intermediate pass. Uh, from, from a running back standpoint, what sort of things do does the, the, the slow mesh do for, for you as a running back? And what are some things that you have to take into account when you're running the slow mesh and, and, and that uh, RPO concept? Absolutely. So um, it, first of all, you know, it's, it's been really uh, it's been awesome to put that in. And I think that's done a lot for our offense, just opening things up um, for, as from a running back standpoint, what it really does for us is it allows our line to kind of set those blocks and really kind of block the box when, defenses are, are sitting and, you know, they got four down linemen and two linebackers. Like it's a really good look for us to kind of what we call press mentality. So the line kind of, you know, will take up ground, but obviously since it still has the potential of being a pass, they can't really move the line of scrimmage downfield. But what that does for us is the linebackers now have to choose, you know, which direction they want to go. And so from a running back standpoint, that, that creates holes, you know, that creates holes for us that we, that we can go attack that gives us time to like really see and then go, you know, burst through and kind of just get to the second level. It, it honestly makes it feel like that second level is kind of right past the line of scrimmage. You know what I mean? And um, in terms of what we got to be responsible for, um, we're responsible in pass protection too on, on, in this scheme. Um, you know, we're looking for the quote unquote seventh guy, um, you know, whether that's a blitzing, you know, nickel, a safety, 
that comes down into the box on the run, on the run look. You know, if, if that safety shoots down, Tanner's going to pull that ball and throw right over his head. Um, and so, you know, it's a good look for us to kind of really open it up. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see that to keep keep progressing. I'm glad you mentioned pass protection because uh, one, one thing about David Shaw and Coach Gould, you're not going to see a whole lot of playing time if you can't pass protect and help the quarterback stay healthy. How big of a factor is that? And, and, and how big of a, uh, of, 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 of how, how big of a portion is that as far as what you guys have to do out there game in and game out? I mean, it's a huge part of what we do. You know, um, like you said, Coach Gould, he instills that in us. And that's honestly what he would say is probably the number one way to get on the field is if you can pass protect. Um, and so that's that's a huge foundational component to our room, um, to our offense in general. You know, obviously we want to keep the quarterback healthy. Um, you know, Tanner, Tanner's a great, a great QB and, and we got to keep him upright. That's just our job. You know what I mean? And so we look at it like it's a very important aspect of it. And, you know, you got to have that dog in you to go, go and get that accomplished. And, you know, the fact of the matter is it's football and sometimes, you know, a rep might not go your way. Um, and, and it's really about like flushing that type of moment. And obviously you want to limit those types of types of plays. Um, but as long as we're making plays with high effort and, you know, being fast, physical, um, usually stuff in the past game works itself out. And, and um, you know, I, I feel like as a group so far, we've done a We've done a decent job in pass protection. That's something that we try to, you know, really work on every week. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I think we're trending in the right direction. I think we're, we're going to continue to get better as the season goes on. Let's see. Running the ball, pass protection. Oh, by the way, catching balls out of the backfield as well. And even for you and, and EJ as well the ability to line up and slot and make things happen uh, from that perspective as well. Uh, you know, how do you have to work all those different types of, you know, uh, ver versatile, you know, asks in a sense, you know, into what you guys do every week? You know, that just comes down to reps with, um, you know, Coach DeVita, uh, Coach Gould and, and getting reps with Tanner. Um, you know, we go through reps every day of just, you know, what we call ball handling, but essentially it's, you know, we'll practice some of the runs that we're putting in that week. And then, you know, if we have plays that have us in the slot or running out of the backfield, we'll get those reps in too. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it, it really, it, it doesn't feel like a drastic change, you know, going out of the backfield, trying to catch a ball or, or working in the slot. You know, that's something I, you know, I can speak for both EJ and myself. Uh, that's something we've done our, our whole football lives, you know. So it, it honestly really comes down to building that chemistry with, uh, with Tanner. Um, getting getting some timing right, you know, understanding what his drop his drop back looks like, and so if we got to slow down a route or speed up a route, um, but but really it feels natural. I, I, it feels natural to me. It comes naturally. Um, you know, I've I've always taken pride in my ability to you know be useful in the pass game, um, and so it really just comes down to like I like I said, uh, just just repping it and you know kind of just getting a feel feel for it really. Anything change for you this week with uh, EJ uh, not available to go against Washington? Um, you know, honestly, like uh, the you know, I'm I'm I kind of it doesn't really change much for me from a from a playing standpoint. I, I'm going to go in with the same mentality, and that is, you know, I want to do anything I can to help the team win. Um, you know, what EJ's in, EJ's out. That doesn't change for me. Um, obviously, you know, the the emphasis is placed on you know being the starting running back or you know, stuff like that. And, and honestly, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the way I felt in high school. You know, I, I get anxious before every game. I get nervous before every game. But, you know, that's like a good thing to me. I, I thrive on that feeling. And, you know, it's nothing new to me. So for me, it's really just, you know, I, I know I got teammates who have my back and, you know, the same way that I got theirs. And um, so nothing really changes for me this week. You know, I'm getting ready to just, you know, handle, I guess, you know, you could say more of a load. Um, but in terms of just football, you know, football is football. So I'm going to go out there and, you know, do everything I can to help the team win and, and want to play fast and physical and finish downhill and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I, I like some things that I saw from Caleb Robinson and Brendan Barrow uh, when they got uh, playing time in the second half um, against Colgate. Take us inside the running back room, you know, what the guys can do you know, what the guy's characters are, who's the funniest, who's the most down to earth, who wins yeah. the, who wins in a foot race, you know, take us inside the running back room and, and, and tell us about what the other fellows are up to. 
For sure. So, you know, Caleb and uh, Brendan, th those are my guys. Um, you know, it, it's been awesome. Caleb obviously is a junior, just like myself. Um, and then Brendan came in, um, you know, the year later. Um, getting to know both those guys, man, they're just great dudes. Um, you know, there's no other way to put it. And they're, and they're great players. You know, they're super, they like in our meeting room, we're always locked in, taking really good notes, asking, asking really good questions to coach G and, and that environment has been awesome. And so, you know, when, with an environment like that, dudes get comfortable and, you know, we start figuring out who, who is the funniest and, you know, who likes to make jokes and all that stuff. And I got to say, I'm not going to toot my own horn. I would say I'm, I'm up there for being the funniest, but <laughs> EJ is super funny. You know, Brendan's really funny. Like C Rob is, is just a great dude. He's funny. And we all joke around with each other and try to keep it light. You know, it's not a sense of like, you know, we, we compete very hard against each other in practice and we try to hold each other to a very high standard. Um, but it's not like it carries off the field. You know, it's like, we're, we're boys off the field and we like to hang out. So that's great. Um, in terms of kind of what they each bring to the table, um, Caleb's got, he, Caleb's a good size back. I mean, him and I are pretty similar size wise. Um, he's got good speed. He's strong. He's got big, strong legs. Um, he's smart on the field. His football IQ is really smart. He understands our offense. Um, and, and that's, you know, it's awesome for guys to be able to trust that, you know, when he's out there, um, you know, making plays and, and same goes for Brendan. Brendan's grown a lot in the past year in terms of his understanding of um, just football IQ in general. Um, it's been awesome to see and we all help each other out with that. So it's been great. Um, in a foot race, I got to say, Brendan's probably the, the fastest truly, um, you know, and, he he's got some he's got some really good open field uh, speed to him, but I I you know we're fast room too you know like we all get after it and we can all get downhill, um, so you know it, it's exciting to see and I'm I'm excited to take the field with those guys this weekend. Yeah, let's uh, as, as a couple last things here as as we do start to turn the focus on to Saturday night up in Seattle facing the Washington Huskies. Those fans are going to be fired up. The team's going to be fired up as well. Uh, given all the accolades that have been thrown their way and well-earned after their result um, over Michigan State uh, last week in, in rather convincing fashion. Your initial thoughts on the Huskies defensively. They played quite well against the Spartans last week. They did. Um, they're a physical, fast group. They got um, really good size up front and honestly in all areas. You know, they're, they're, a, they're coached very well. They're very disciplined. Um, and they fly around to the ball. So, you know, it, it poses a good challenge for us. It's, it's definitely going to be a physical, physical game. Um, you know, they're going to make plays. That's just like I kind of alluded to earlier. You know, they're going to make plays. They're a good team. And we, we understand that. And it's and it's about reacting to that. It's not it's not necessarily focusing so much on, oh, man, you know, that play went that way. But it's turning our head to the next play and, you know, kind of getting after it that way. Um, you know, like I said, they got good they a lot of their defense they got a lot of old dudes you know fourth fifth uh six year guys and so they're mature you know they're going to be communicating out there and like you said it's going to be loud so they're going to use all that to their advantage and we know that and uh we've been getting some good reps this week at practice with just crowd noise in general and you know i, I think that's going to help us going into the game for sure um so you know it'll be a great challenge but we're we're looking forward to it and you know, in the Pac-12, you know, no week, no week is like every week is going to be a challenge. You know what I mean? And, and all these teams are good and all these coaching staffs are good. And, you know, so we're going to have to go in, you know, with, you know, guns a blaze, guns a blazing and um, really just get after it and, and play fast and physical. Any extra juice for you returning to Pacific Northwest? I mean, this is the first of back to back games heading up to uh, the Pacific Northwest, Seattle and your home state of Oregon next week. Any extra juice for you? little bit of extra juice you know going back up to the to the pacific northwest air up there um it's gonna be fun you know i got a lot of family up there and especially at oregon i, I know i know a lot of people will be at that game um in the student section as well so it's gonna be good i'm looking forward to it you know i, I don't get up or down for any game so it's kind of just you know on to the next it's going to be a business trip um and and i'm i'm looking forward to it as we wrap this up, I, I got to get your your thoughts and your your look back at Stanford's last trip up to Washington two years ago. And that was that was the first true game away in which Stanford, you know, could not play back in Santa Clara. Uh, that was a road game anyway. But Stanford had to go up there and basically live up there and and the infamous walk through the park. 
and it ended with a Stanford win. What do you remember about that road trip up to Seattle uh, two I, years ago? That's so funny because I, I was just talking to my dad about that last night, just how crazy that that whole time period was. Um, I, I honestly remember, you know, everybody talking about Washington and, you know, they're they're fast, they're physical, this, that and the other. Um, and we came out and we had a great first half. I mean, we absolutely put it on those dudes. And, and that was like, that was awesome. Um, you know, and, and I don't know what that stemmed from. I don't know if it was kind of like, okay, you know, we're on the road and let's just go out and ball type of deal. Or if it was just like, didn't really feel much pressure on ourselves and really just wanted to go play fast and, and free. Um, and so, and, you know, they later came back in that game and it kind of ended up coming down to the stretch there towards the end, but that was a huge win for us. And that was an awesome, you know, experience kind of being part of all of that. And like you talked about getting that, getting that walkthrough in the park and it's, it's muddy and everything. I mean, <laughs> all of that goes into just building team camaraderie and team strength. And um, that really showed that week. And, you know, that's kind of been a cornerstone for, I feel like our program and at least the dudes who were around to experience that time period um, that's carried over honestly until now is we feel like, you know, we faced a lot of adversity and the stadium is going to be loud and, and that's a given and it's going to be a tough environment, but we, you know, we've been through some stuff that has really brought us together and um, we're feeling good when we go into territory like this. Well, hopefully this trip is a lot less eventful uh, off the field, yeah. <laughs> but hopefully it results in the, uh, the, the same outcome, uh, a win, and y'all flying back to the Bay Area uh, happy into the Saturday night. Casey Filkins will play a big role in that and how things go this upcoming Saturday against the Huskies, and, and I'm sure going forward as well. Casey, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. Really enjoyed this chat. Best of luck, best of health, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much, Troy. I really enjoyed it. Have a good one. Wow, terrific stuff with uh, Casey Filkins. I uh, really appreciate him taking time out to uh, to join us here. Well, how about that explanation of the slow mesh, right? Especially from the running backs' perspective, that was that was that was in depth stuff, but also pretty digestible in my mind as well. So, I uh, really appreciate uh, his thoughts on that and uh, everything else that uh, that he brought up. And yeah, that. <laughs> That trip up to Seattle for that team two years ago. I I spent a week on uh, Seattle's east side um, last month for the Junior League Softball World Series. I was calling that uh, for ESPN. Uh, It's over in Kirkland, uh, Washington. Uh, When Stanford football usually goes up that way, they usually stay in Bellevue, which is on the east side, uh, on the opposite side of Lake Washington uh, from Seattle. So uh, while I was up there, I had to uh, I I couldn't resist. I had to hang out in Bellevue's uh, downtown park uh, for a moment or so and uh, pay my respects uh, to that trip that Stanford had to make. Just just bizarre stuff. I hope. If Matt Doyle, the director of football operations for Stanford, is listening to this, I hope that uh, just even bringing up that trip isn't giving him traumatic flashbacks or anything like that. But uh, what a trip that was. And, uh, you know, maybe some similar setups here for that one, because back in 2020, when Stanford went up to uh, Washington, uh, Washington was coming off a big close win over Utah at that point. They had just beaten the Utes. 24 21 and were feeling pretty good about themselves and then stanford went out there and they zeroed out some of washington's best defensive players they ran out the final eight minutes of clock and that was that stanford got the win and as it turned out never looked back that was the second of their four game win streak to finish out the 2020 season i people i think some people still forget that stanford did go four and two in the 2020 season finishing out with a four game win streak so uh Hopefully, again, as, as I mentioned to Casey, hopefully this trip is not as eventful, but still as productive, especially in the win column. Max Brown of the Pac-12 Network in just a moment or so, but uh, a couple of quick numbers uh, of note. Uh, Stanford no longer has the biggest turnover deficit in FBS. Minus seven, still pretty rotten. Uh, there, there's no mistake in that. But, but South Carolina is also at minus seven in the turnover margin. Auburn's at minus eight. And New Mexico State is minus nine. So hopefully Stanford starts to trend more towards zero and get back on the positive side of the turnover margin by the time it is all said and done. No time like the present to start that trend. Meanwhile, the Huskies, they've been, they've been pretty hot. I mean, their offense has gained 500-plus yards in all three of its games so far. 
Now, granted, two of those games were against Kent State and Portland State. So, you know, th- there is that. But still, Huskies are playing well, especially offensively. And they're looking to beat Stanford for the second straight year. Stanford just needed just one more first down last year. Just one more. Ugh. I asked David Shaw during Coach's uh, weekly press conference back on Tuesday uh, how his thoughts on how different the 2022 Huskies seem to be from last year's crew. I think they're playing great. They're playing fast. Um, they're playing very physical. Um, they're, they're, I mean, schematically different on, on both sides, but um, more than anything, they've got really good athletes. They've got length. Um, they've got they've got big guys um, on the offensive line. They're big and athletic. They've got big guys on the inside of the defensive line. They've got long, physical guys on the outside. Um, they've got active secondary. So um, as much as anything, yes, they, the schemes are different. Um, they're just playing fast, and they're playing hard, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. Well, those are David Shaw's thoughts on the differences between Washington last year and the Huskies this year. There's no doubt the Huskies playing much better so far in 2022, but what can we really believe about the Huskies to this point? Well, special guest on this week's TreeCast has seen the Huskies with his own eyes as an analyst uh, for football games on the Pac-12 network. He'll actually be up in the Bay Area this weekend for Arizona Cal. That should be a very intriguing game as well. Former USC quarterback, but he made up for it by finishing his collegiate career at Pitt and an all-around good dude and a newly married man as well. The one and only Max Brown joining us here on the Tree Cast. Max, thanks a bunch. Always appreciate the time. How you doing? Always, always a pleasure. Yeah, still getting used to this ring, but uh, it'll probably take me all of football season to stop fidgeting with it. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. It's a good one to have. Very, very good. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Congrats again on that. And um, let's let's get into uh, the Washington Huskies, because there's certainly a lot of hype surrounding these guys um, entering this week. Look, big win over Michigan State. They certainly earned it. And a lot of folks excited about UW football for the first time, it seems, in in certainly a few years. We're seeing Michael Penix Jr. for a Heisman hype. We're seeing all sorts of other things. In in your mind, as we speak here, how much of the Husky hype this week is legit? And what do you still need to see? I think it's legit. I'm drinking the Kalen DeBoer Kool-Aid and – I think the, the and the reason I think it's legit is because a lot of the storylines that people were so excited about last year and why the Huskies were people's CFP dark horse last summer, summer 2021, they're coming to fruition this year. When you talk about the offensive line, when you're talking about, hey, the exciting receivers, you're, you're talking about, hey, the growth of the quarterback position, all those are front and center. Michael Penix is obviously playing at a high level and what goes probably underappreciated, and I saw it live, we were able to talk with him, but their offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, I can't express enough how different it is this time right now compared to where it was 12 months ago. Because, yes, there are transfers, but there's also a lot of the same pieces, especially on the offensive line, especially at receiver, even tight end a little bit. Uh, Jack West over there, starting tight end, played from last year. And those guys are much more productive this year than last year. And sure – Guys grow, guys get better, but a lot of that is coaching. And uh, Ryan Grubb, their offensive coordinator, deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, Grubb has been getting a lot of press uh, this week, and rightfully so. He appears to be doing uh, a lot of great things up in Seattle. And this was my first chance to look at them and take a serious look at them against the Michigan State Spartans. And a lot was made during that broadcast on the ESPN side with Mark Jones and uh, RG3 on how much motion, how much window dressing goes into Washington's offense. You'll see them do like maybe, you know, move guys around like maybe six or seven times before the actual snap of the football. You know, what do you make of that? And if you're a defense, and especially if you're a Stanford defense that's still trying to find itself a little bit, how do you try to combat that? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I had the same reaction when I watched the broadcast and they kept talking about shifts in motion. And, and to me, uh, I'll go on record with this. A lot of the times it's not shifts in motions. They are looking to the sideline and changing the play entirely. It's called check with me in, in, uh, in offensive lingo. And that's what they do. They'll line up. They'll look to the sideline. If they have a look that they want to get to, they'll, inju- they'll, they'll, they'll switch the position of the guys. And it looks like a motion. It might look like a shift, but Hey, 
Stanford fans, you guys know Schiff's emotions better than anyone, or at least Schiff's in the old, you know, uh, the OG David Shaw days. You know what a Schiff looks like. You'll see on Saturday, it's not necessarily like that. They're getting to an entirely new play. But once again, credit the uh, the offensive scheme. Um, I think when you look at the Husky receivers, I'll be interested to see how the broadcast positions the receivers. Because you look at the first three weeks, there's been a different top receiver every single week. And I know when I had the Huskies, Roma Dunze was the guy. He's the guy with the NFL ceiling. Well, now, wouldn't be surprised if in the open they highlight Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk and all three of those guys. Um, they're studs, and they're interchangeable, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, this offense has a lot of weapons they can throw at you. No doubt. No shortage of uh, terrific receivers to watch for both sides uh, here on the field. But, of course, a lot of focus is going to be on the trigger men uh, for both Stanford and Washington on Saturday night. How would you compare and contrast Michael Penix and Tanner McKee? It's a good question. And it's funny. I got, I got asked the question yesterday of which receivers I would take more, Stanford or Washington. Because I've been on the record all offseason saying, before Jordan Addison came to USC, I thought Stanford had the best receivers in the conference. I'm still taking the Stanford receivers. Don't get it twisted. But uh, the UW receivers are a great bunch, too. Um, but to your question, I would say right now Michael Penix is doing a better job of just playing point guard and distributing the ball and giving his guys opportunities. I think when you look back at Stanford's last game against SC, Tanner McKee had some, some errant throws. And their little RPOs here and there with the slants on your back shoulder, you're missing the guy just – a foot here, a foot there. That's something we have not seen from Penix. He's really been almost perfect in terms of an accuracy standpoint outside of one pick against Portland State. But uh, I think that's what Tanner McKee needs to get back to. And Stanford's a little bit in this identity mode of, hey, we want to run the ball. It's in our DNA. But we also know we were built to beat teams through the air. And I think moving forward for Stanford to, to get to a point where they're winning games, they need to throw the rock to 18 or give the rock to 18 and let him just play point guard with all those receivers. So taking a page out of Penix's book in that regard. But I will say no team has been able to heat things up on, uh, on Michael Penix. I know Stanford at the D-line spot, that's a concern. But if you're able to do that, that's uh, it's certainly a starting point. Yeah, that's, that's probably the key, one of the big keys to the game, I would think, on Saturday night uh, between the Huskies um, and the Cardinal. Uh, you, you mentioned the Stanford offense. They've moved the ball quite well. We knew that would not, what not, would, that would not necessarily be an issue for Stanford at any point uh, this year, even though they've only just played two games. But, of course, the big bugaboo for them, for them has been turnovers. Uh, for the Stanford offensively, is it just as simple as no turnovers and they'll be fine? Or are there maybe some other things at work there? Turnovers are huge. So, I mean, you you look at that SC game, the goal line pick. I mean, I guess the red zone sticks out to me. And once again, it reverts back to, to turnovers. But the red zone big picture is a different different category in David Shaw's mind in terms of that conversion rate and finding a way to get points on the board. So that to me is two areas of concern. I'd like to think, man, EJ Smith, that, that, that was a fluke game. And a lot of that has to be more of a, a psychological component when once you once you put the ball on the turf once, you know, does it, is it easier to make it happen a second time? And But no, I mean, I think you can go back to a lot of the, the turnovers and then the RPO game as well. I think there was opportunities there for Tanner McKee to take advantage, especially if you're not going to have as strong of a run game as we're used to seeing Stanford five years ago. Well, maybe the run, maybe the RPO game is a good wrinkle off of that. When those opportunities are there, especially with Higgins in the slot and especially with these big physical receivers, you've got to convert on those because – you know, that's Stanford ball, staying ahead of the sticks and staying on schedule. They ran over 80 plays against USC a couple weeks ago. I'm not used to seeing that, but it's, it's a little different. Yeah, it's, it's a little different, but maybe you're, you're it's used to seeing 80 personnel groups, not right. uh, 80 plays. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Stanford stayed in the 50s and maybe in the 60s as far as play counts are concerned. But maybe that's a bit more of a. Uh, of what the future portends uh, for the Stanford offense and that scheme for, for this year. But back to Washington for a second, because look, they've played well, they're three and oh, they, they've earned a lot of what they've accomplished so far this year. I'm not sure exactly how much they've been tested to this point. Haven't been on the road yet. Uh, and, and they haven't really faced that much in-game adversity to this point. And down the road, they don't face Utah or USC when it comes to the Pac-12 race. How much, in your mind, has Washington truly been tested to this point? And how difficult or how easy could their road be going forward? 
One thing I know for sure is their corner position has not been tested at a high level. And when you look at a matchup perspective against Stanford, I mean, we just loved up on their receivers. The UW secondary is not where it's at, where it's currently not at where, you know, we're used to seeing where it's, you know, the West Coast DBU, so to speak. You lose two guys that were first couple round NFL draft picks. They bring in a transfer in Jordan Perryman from Davis, who starts at one corner, but he's hurt. I don't know if he's back this week, but he was hurt last week. They had to move a safety, Julius Irving, to corner. So that's a group that, you know, that is the X factor for UW. If that group can cover people and stay healthy, and um, I would expect in meeting rooms, the Stanford uh, staff has said, hey, this is a group we can get after. Um, but big picture, I mean, the, the, the first two weeks for, for, uh, for UW, I mean, cupcake games. But it took care of business. And the offense, you know, uh, what, what encourages me the most is that, you know, it wasn't like they were just, running by people and it's a skill thing they're scheming guys open and they're beating guys in different ways so to me that's sustainable on offense but defensively the cornerback position that's the area that hasn't been tested yet that maybe the uh, the cardinal uh, can get after him with you're a pacific northwest native washington doing well washington state doing well should be ranked oregon state doing well big game this week they probably should be ranked too and, and oregon getting off the mat after uh, what happened to them uh, against georgia uh, as a Pacific Northwest native yourself, what do you make of those four teams making big early statements in the Pac-12 so far this season? It's awesome. When I was in middle school and high school, I mean, Oregon State and Washington State were two of the worst teams in the in, in the conference for sure. And you could extend that out nationally. I mean, there were some rough days there uh, for both the Beavs and the Cougs. And when those teams are not only competitive, but pushing for a conference title, I mean, we all know what they have to recruit with and what they have to work with year in and year out that the overall standard for the conferences is elevated. I mean, right now, I think we're legitimately looking at six legitimate conference contenders. And I kind of put Stanford as that team, call it team eight. So just on the outside looking in, unless they show me something, um, they, they have work to do, obviously. But I think top to bottom, this conference is really good. I mean, Colorado is the only team that I think, for being honest with ourselves, when, when you play the Buffs, teams are probably going to excel exhale a little bit until the Buffs can show that they can do something offensively. But it's great for Northwest football. It's a credit to Jonathan Smith and Jake Dickert. I'm sure two guys that uh, both those schools are going to have a hard time uh, holding on to in the years to come. Yeah, Oregon State hosting USC this weekend. I, I've, I've seen that movie before where USC comes in highly ranked and they leave you know, with Mark Sanchez throwing helmets and, on, and, yep. and on the walkway up the, on the way back to the locker room. So let's see how that turns out. You're going to be on the call this Saturday in Berkeley between Arizona and Cal. Your initial thoughts on that game and why do I suspect that Justin Wilcox in his meeting with the referees is, is going to show the referees pictures of what an offsides call actually looks like? We were just talking about that. We spoke with Jed Fish today, and after the call, we were talking about, hey, like, are we going to ask Wilcox about the offside penalty? Like, wonder what he's going to say. We all saw his reaction on national television where he was quite firm in saying he wasn't going to get into that. But, no, I think similar to the last point about Washington State and Oregon State, this Cal-Arizona game represents – two teams that have leveled up in the past couple of years. And maybe this was a game that was not that intriguing years ago with Arizona state or Arizona, excuse me, struggling, but that's not the case anymore. Arizona is going to be competitive in every single game this year with a quarterback like Jade Delora and a receiver like Jacob Cowing, who, I mean, this has been a, a receiver heavy podcast, but Cowing leads the conference in TD or tied for the conference lead in TD receptions. He's an NFL player and, um, it's just a different Wildcats roster. We, we asked Jed, hey, how does it feel just in the program right now compared to 12 months ago? 12 months ago, Cal was their first conference win in what, what felt like a couple of years or was a couple of years. It's just totally different. It's an elevated, uh, elevated, elevated game. It's too bad Cal wasn't able to catch the Hail Mary against Notre Dame because then I think this game would be even more um, or the stakes would be even higher. But I think it'll be a good one. You look at Cal, Arizona, the past really since Wilcox has been there, it's always been a competitive game and it's been a game filled with upsets. So uh, I'm excited to call it. Yeah, Cal needs an offensive line. They need to show a lot better than they did throughout much of that game in South Bend. Uh, let's, let's wrap it up on this. Fill in the blank. For Stanford to win on Saturday, blank needs to happen. For Stanford to win on Saturday, um, they need to. 
I mean, it's, it's what we've talked about, but I'll button it up. It's no turnovers, one, and yeah. two, they have to win on the outside against these DBs. I don't think Stanford – I think Stanford's going to struggle their interior defensive line against Washington's offensive line. So I envision the blueprint for Stanford is a more high-scoring game, be opportunistic on defense, find a way to win the turnover margin. But I, I, I genuinely think Stanford, from a matchup perspective, you have to look at and say, hey, our receivers are better than their corners. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe uh, they're starting safety. Uh, Asa Turner is banged up as well. So you guys are getting the picture. That's a secondary that I think you can get after. And uh, I mean, ta- a lot of quarterbacks around the conference are getting love, rightfully so. Don't sleep on Tanner McKee. We all know how good he can be when uh, everything's pointing in the right direction. Should be intriguing. Patch 12 after dark always is. And Husky Stadium will be the scene for Stanford and Washington on saturday night you can see him on pac-12 network he does a terrific job with pocket presence on pac-12 insider does usc radio stuff as well he's all over the place so i am certainly glad that he could uh, stop by and join us here on the TreeCast. max brown max thanks as always appreciate the time hope we get a chance to cross paths at some point this season and we'll talk again soon always a pleasure thanks troy there he goes, Max Brown, a good dude, a good guy. I uh, really uh, enjoyed bumping into him at Pac-12 Football Media Day uh, back in July. That was fun, and uh, I have a feeling we might get a chance to cross paths at some point uh, during the regular season by the time it's all said and done. You, of course, can uh, see him all sorts of different places on the uh, Pac-12 network and its various platforms. Max always breaks it down and, and does a fantastic job of doing it, and he's placing a lot of this game on the Stanford wide receivers as it goes up against perhaps a fairly depleted Washington secondary. And if you go back to our episode uh, after the USC game, one of my biggest disappointments about how Stanford performed against the USC Trojans a couple weeks ago was how the wide receivers fared in that game. I mean, my gosh, these are these are super big, strong, fast, talented receivers. Higgins, Tremaine, Wilson, Urasik, Moody Rubin can, 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 can get some love at some points as well. But these are some bad dudes at wide receiver. But by and large, except for maybe a stretch in the second quarter, Stanford's receivers did not win critical one-on-one battles. I noticed that in real time as that game unfolded. Stanford wide receiver Michael Wilson also noticed that trend, and he's looking forward to finding ways to getting back to order against Washington this week. Judging off the last game, I feel – I think we underperformed. I think we underperformed from a receiver standpoint. Um, myself, I feel like, you know, me, Bryce, and Elijah, John, whoever's in, we got to do a better job of winning our one-on-one matchups uh, and making those tough catches that we know we can make, uh, making the plays that we know we can make and creating separation – I think we saw a lot of glimpses of it in the game, but we need to do it more of a consistent, uh, more about a consistent rate, um, because like I know the type of talent that Bryson has in him, I know the type of talent he has and John has and myself has. So we got to demand perfection out of ourselves um, and play to the elite capabilities that we all have within us. That's Michael Wilson, and that's certainly going to be critical. Stanford wide receiving core, certainly one of the best position units that Stanford has. And when it's on, it could potentially be one of the best position units on the field at any given time. Can they take advantage of a largely untested and slightly banged up and dinged up Washington secondary? And Besides, you know, avoiding turnovers and forcing turnovers, that's what I want to see most from Stanford this week against Washington. Give the Huskies a test, right? Showing some things that they've never seen before and haven't had to deal with yet this season. Test the Huskies. You know, Michigan State didn't have all hands on deck either. They were, they were banged up at some pretty key positions, defensive line in particular, and it, and it didn't seem to get better as that game continued. So they were less than 100% personnel-wise. So th- th- in, in some ways, the Huskies, you know, kind of beat up on a banged-up Spartan squad. Kudos to them for doing it, you know, just because the opponent opens up the door. That, that doesn't mean that it's a given that, that you can walk right through it. Kudos to the Huskies for for taking advantage of it. 
But Michigan State, not 100% personnel-wise. And the Huskies... They haven't faced a whole lot of in-game adversity yet. I mean, my gosh, their, their halftime leads on average have been, what, like 22 points so far this season? Again, two of those games were against Kent State and Portland State. I realize that, and I don't think that we can necessarily get too far away from that. Oh, by the way, they haven't played a game on the road yet. I think that's critical. Must be nice to start off the season with four four home games in a row. Must be must be nice. And it kind of takes me back to that that old saying: "Win at home and you're a hero. Win on the road and you're feared." Huskies seem to have a lot of heroes this week, but I don't. I'm not sure that they've been tested to this point, and that's what Stanford needs to do. I think above all else against the Huskies on Saturday night. Test them and win those tests. Pass those tests. Don't turn the ball over. Win one-on-one battles with, between the wide receivers and the Husky secondary. Keep Tanner McKee upright. Get after Michael Penix Jr. Get after those receivers that are young and emerging. Jalen Polk, my word. Man, it's, he's a freshman? Are you kidding me? Good Lord. But I am not entirely sure that the Huskies have completely been tested to the best of their abilities yet. And that they haven't faced and that they faced a whole lot of in-game adversity to this point. Can Stanford be the test that the Huskies haven't had so far this season? I hope so. I hope so. I think it's possible. I certainly hope so. We'll see what happens. And we'll break it down on the next episode of the TreeCast coming up on Sunday. In the meantime, I forgot to mention, I think at the start of the show, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's that's cool. I always appreciate that. At Troy Clarity is the way to go there. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. At Troy Clarity is the way to go to follow me on Twitter. You've got thoughts. I always welcome feedback on the show, on Stanford football, on anything else. If you want to hear something during the show, you got an idea, hey, cool, run it, run it by me. I'm always in for that kind of stuff. Hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. Hashtag TreeCast is the best way to ensure that I see what you have on your mind. And hopefully we're talking about good stuff and Stanford getting back in the win column and getting ready to face the Oregon Ducks with a 2-1 and one record. We will see what happens on Saturday night in Seattle. Special thanks to our special guests, Cardinal running back Casey Filkins. Really enjoyed that chat. That was probably went a bit longer than I, than I wanted to with him. But, hey, you know what? When the content's that good, you keep it rolling. And my man Max Brown of the Pac-12 Network, I always appreciate his time. Special thanks most of all going to you out there for joining us and being a part of the show, telling others about the show, rating and reviewing the program, subscribing and downloading and reacting to the show on your favorite message board. I always appreciate that as well. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane. And we'll talk to you on Sunday, breaking down Stanford versus UW. This is the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network.